And we're back with Above the Pitch. Uh, me and Mike are here to give you an extraordinary podcast episode. We're going to talk about the game that Mike's been wanting to talk about and the game I needed to put a band-aid on the last couple of days, get my thoughts together, but I'm here to rip it off. So let's begin. More of a tourniquet, but yeah, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> let's get into the juicy stuff. So the big derby, big derby game, Liverpool, Man United. What a letdown. Five to a big old whopping nothing. I've been depressed. Now, not like today, I felt okay, and it's Thursday today, right? So it's been like five days, and now that you just brought it up again, I'm just still depressed. You're gonna have to start all over again with your grieving. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah. So this game was at Old Trafford. We see their lineup, and I get to see the Ole special right in your midfield. Yeah. No, and no Pogba. You didn't put Pogba in for whatever reason. This guy thinks he can't play in big games because he doesn't like to run a lot. This guy's won the World Cup. He just won the the Nations Cup. You know, they trust him because when it counts and when he needs to play, he's there running around, and he's been our best player probably this year, pre-Ronaldo coming. He's put in the work. He's played defense. He's done everything you want. He's already provided assists. He gives you chances. He, he can score goals, but yet... McFred is still right in front of us. The players that he thinks run. The worst McDonald's order ever taken. Yeah, if I wouldn't go to McDonald's, I wouldn't order a McFred. <laughs> You'd be disappointed every time. I, listen, I'm, I'm disappointed every time. <laughs> yeah, listen, what a crazy game. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm to the moon with emotion with that game. Incredible. It's, you know, every Liverpool fan's always looking for a game like that when we play... Uh, Man United, to be fair, it kind of got to a point where it was like, all right already. I mean, I guess we could just kill the game off at this point. Yeah, it was pitiful and embarrassing. And usually the Liverpool-United games, especially the ones at Old Trafford, they're always tight. You know, we always give Liverpool trouble. But it wasn't like that today at all. Yeah, so now Man United break records that they've never wanted to break. It's a 126-year record of losing to Liverpool by a five-goal deficit. And that was in 1895 when Man United wasn't even called Man United. They were called Newton Heath. Yep, yellow and gold. Lost 7-1. I mean, lost 7-1. Yeah. And their biggest defeat at Old Trafford was 5-0 previously. That was in 1955, so another record broken in the same game. And uh, in addition to scoring a hat-trick against United Old Trafford, only one man held it prior, which was R9, you know, Ronaldo. And now Salah's joined that list. And Salah becomes the first Premier League hat-trick at Old Trafford against Man United. Correct. Fun fact for you guys, Man United fans, Rio Ferdinand has only scored, has only had one hat-trick score in him his whole career, and that was the last game Fergie ever was a part of. And it was by Lukaku, who scored three against them. Good old Lukaku. That yeah. was with West Brom. That was with West Brom. It was with West Brom. Yeah, back in the day. It's true. That's when he was first really making his yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, where do we start? I mean, we can go on some rants. I guess we'll start with the third minute. We'll just talk about the game first. Go ahead. So, third minute, we'll come off strong. You guys look a little startled. Bruno has a one-on-one, and he shoots it, and he misses. Mm-hmm. Two minutes later, I want to say it's like two minutes later because it feels like that. You guys 
Uh, Salah plays the ball to Keita, and he scores a really simple ball. Just uh, We're talking about the lineups, though. But So, he plays McTominay and Fred in the middle. Like we said before, that's supposed to be your legs. Talking about McTominay and Fred in the middle, and these are the guys Ole you know, chooses to run the midfield. They're going to fill the holes. They're going to keep the runs with the midfielders. And it doesn't happen all game. You know, you got Maguire, who is questionably still injured. Maybe he still chooses him. And he has an awful game again. And then you have Shaw, who's having a terrible three games. You have Juan Basako, who's just been average. And Lindelof, who's just, you know, Lindelof, you know. And all these goals, you know... I would be damned if, like, I was a professional and let these goals happen to me. And they happen week in and week out where they're simple goals. They're across the box. They're a pass to a midfielder running through the middle that doesn't get followed. They're, there's balls that are just, you got to be in front of the, the, the offender just to block them. And they're never there. And they, and they cheat their runs. They cheat each other as a team. They don't press properly. And when you don't press properly, you make gaps. Mm-hmm. You leave yards of space in front of you. And the worst thing that can happen to a team is that they get passed through. Meaning they get split. The pass is going between two players. And that's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, you know? split defenders. Split yeah. defenders. and or, or, you know, the worst thing that can happen is uh, Shaw bumping into <sighs> Lindelof like they're playing at a under-eight-year-old game. Forget it. They're just, they look terrible. Maguire looks absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. I was about to come put two words together because how bad he looks. Horrible. Can Trent Alexander-Arnold. Can you, can you imagine spending $80 million on that? And it just can't happen. They Like, if you listen to Harry Maguire's post-match spread conference, he comes out there and he's obviously sad and he starts talking about how they were more clinical than them. And listen... Clinical, like anybody could have scored those goals against you. It's like when you have a team and you have those gaps, you're just passing the ball around them and you just got to slot it in. And that's how all the goals were, except for the the solid goal where he just ran into the box and toe poked it in the corner. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, adding on to that, was it the craziest performance of all time? No, you know, but at the same time, they were cruising. Liverpool was cruising. You didn't need to. Liverpool cruising. They didn't need to try any harder. They already run. More than United. United right now are the lowest running team in the Premier League. And that's sad because you have, you know, the best facilities. You have these players with amazing talent. They're in great physique. Yet they don't run. They don't play for each other. Like when we go play pickup or we go play with each other, I always say to everybody that we play with, if you want to win these like little pickup games, you have to give your teammates the same respect you would give yourself in passes and run hard. Run and move and just respect your teammates, give them good passes, and just work together. And they can't even do this, and they're paid professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And, and going back to it, like, I'm tired of hearing, like, oh, we're sorry to the fans. You know, they were great out there. And uh, all these things, like, oh, we weren't on our day, or we've got to look at ourselves individually. They need to look at themselves as a team because they don't play as a team. Like, any part of that team doesn't play as a team. The coaching doesn't have them set up like a team. It's it's just sad to see because you're talking about United were good. These great teams are good because they run, not because they're just super talented, right? Like the midfield three of Liverpool, you know, technically wise, they're not super gifted. You know what I mean? They're not like Pogba who can 
throw a ball across the field or can dribble on his head all the way to the other goal. They're not like that, but they work hard. They work for each other. You know, yeah. they cover ground. I mean, that's one of the biggest things about Liverpool and their system is that the midfield isn't the most talented players. They're just the hardest working players. You know, we're showing up to this game, not that we're taking it lightly, but just, you know, for comparison, we're showing up with Henderson, Milner, and Keita in our midfield. That's our core group. We're showing up with Milner, a 35-year-old who won't stop running, and Keita, who some would say he still hasn't proven himself, but he's been super hot for three weeks. You know, in other words, we're showing up with not what you would ever expect of an ultimate or champion-like midfield and completely competing in this type of game and just completely picking apart people like Fred, McTominay, you know, that whole midfield was just picked off. Yeah, it's because they cheat themselves, and Liverpool don't cheat themselves. They they yell at each other. They make sure they're all doing what they're done, and that doesn't happen at United anymore. United used to have Darren Fletcher in the middle. Was he great? No, but he ran hard. Roy Keane, was he, you know, tactically great? No, but he ran hard. He did everything he could for the club. That's what you need in the midfield. These United teams that were so great... They all ran for each other. Wayne Rooney ran for Ronaldo because he knew Ronaldo wouldn't run. You know what I mean? These these Tevez ran for Ronaldo because he knew he would run. They all ran for each other. You know, and this this doesn't happen. Man City, Liverpool, they all run for each other, and that's why they are the two best teams in the league, hands down. You know, they could have they can have the lineups they had. If we're playing FIFA right now and we're looking at each other's lineup, right? Who wants whose team? Everybody's gonna want the United team. They have Ronaldo, they have Pogba, they have Bruno, they have all these crazy players you can play with. But in the end of the day, you'd want to be on a Liverpool team in real life. They say, you know, Salah is the best striker in the world right now because he's on that Liverpool team. You put Ronaldo on that team, he's going to be putting in the same amount of goals. You know what I mean? It's it's up to that team. And United don't cut it. Ole is not cutting it right now. The coaching staff isn't cutting it right now. It's just sad to see. And Ole also comes in and talking about being more clinical, that we had our chances. He always says it. We always have our chances. We don't really have chances. Last year, we came back to win like 15 games from 2-0 down or, or down in the half just to win. And it's going to cat it caught up and bit them. And it's just not good enough. All right. So obviously, Gorilla in the room. Yeah. Going to obviously be a big discussion, big talk. Is Ole stay? I think I was thinking about it. And, you know, we talked a little bit after the game when it first came out. I said, you know what, Ole out, but... Um, I gave myself time to think, and they are playing a new way. We usually play counterattack against the big sides, and it really works for us because that's how we're used to playing. And now we're trying out something new. We were trying to cut you guys in the middle and squeeze squeeze each other in the middle, but obviously if your pressing game, if your high press game is terrible, you're just going to get picked apart, and that's what happened. It was kind of like Arteta last year when he was trying new things, when he was like, okay, I got the players I kind of want. Now I'm leaving trying to feed the new tactics into the into the game, and it wasn't really working out, and people were getting really nervous, and they were doing really, really bad, and they ended up not being in the Europa League either. I think that's the point where Ole's at, but when you have this caliber of a team and not Arteta's arsenal, it has to be different. Like, there should be no reason ever why this team loses 5-0, ever, especially at home. So you say Ole's there? Is that I think... What the news has been saying, and he's, they say, you know, 
If he loses Arsenal, he goes. Sure. I- I'm honestly tired of changing managers, and I would like to see what the end of the season looks like. I was a big fan of wanting to get Pochettino. I'm never going to say Ole out, even though I don't think he can do the job for us. I don't think he can win the trophies. He's already had a couple of ta- times to win the Europa League. Jose Mourinho won the Europa League for us. You know, he won he won uh, the FA Cup. You know, he hasn't won any... Ole hasn't won anything for us. So, let's play theoretical. Yeah. Let's say Ole's gone tomorrow. You yeah. get to choose whatever manager you want. Zidane. Because Pochettino's still at P- PSG. Interesting. I don't want Conte. I think he's too strict. I don't want to see United play 3-5-2. I don't want to see them play 5-anything ever. They have to be, like, when you come to United, you want them to play a certain way. Just like we all want Arsenal to play the way they play. You know what I mean? So, I don't want Conte. Yes, he's a very strict manager. Yes, he'll get the players straight. Yes, he'll probably bring us a trophy. Uh, he's he's de- he's dealt with Pogba. He's dealt with Ronaldo already. You know what I mean? It would be a good choice, but I don't want him as a manager for the club. I mean, they're saying that Zidane probably not coming because he doesn't want to uh, coach in the Prem or come to England. Yeah. My my unbiased pick would have been Pochettino, so I'm glad yeah. he brought him up. I think that from what he showed at Spurs, you know, coming from coming from a lower Premier League team, going into Spurs, seeing what he's done with them, his second places and all that stuff, I always felt like he was a manager that he was limited by his own players. And I feel like exactly what you said, you know, you look at this United team and they have the players, and there shouldn't be a reason you don't get the results that you need. So I feel like Pochettino would actually be a very good fit. Yeah, I like how he does two-a-days. Um, I like how he makes his team run a lot. You know, he's got that jolly side to him, but he could also be very strict and has a little dark side to him, which every coach needs. Um, you can think back to that, you know, Tottenham getting to the Champions League final. Why did they do that? Because Lucas Mora would literally cut off his legs to get that last shot off that he did against Ajax, I believe. It was Man City and Ajax. I think he did it for both, actually. I think he did do it for both, yeah. And uh, he got those goals, those big goals that were needed, and that's just all heart and wanting to play the game and running for your team to put it to, put, put it through. You're the forward. It's your job to put it through. Yeah, listen, I mean, my thoughts with the coach and decisions to be made next, I think you're right. I think if he suffers another defeat against Spurs, especially significant, totally can see Ole going. But I would say this. I feel if Ole is still here, it's already too late. I don't think there's a reason to already restart again. You've seen equivalent terrible outcomes. Not as bad, but you know, terrible outcomes with Ole as your manager. And you keep turning around as Man United and keep saying... We still got a plan. We're going to keep him. We trust him. Let him keep going. Let him keep going. Let him keep going. So I think at this point, so what? So be it. Just push through. Because now, like you said, you bring in somebody new, the chances are it's going to be Antonio Conte, even if you want him or not. And the chances are, if that's the truth, you're going to have to do a whole brand new system. Not only is it going to be more strict, not only are the players going to have to think totally different, maybe some personalities will clash. It's just like a whole revamp that there's no way you're going to bounce back within this season to even have anything decent right now. Maybe after January, get it together a little bit and have enough of a run that you you jump into the top five. But 
I, I don't think that's what you guys need. I think it would hurt you a lot more. Yeah, if you th- if you think about it, we're in that period where, hey, we're learning a new formation, we're learning a new system, only to lose all A and learn a new system and learn a new formation. And it's at a time where, you know, we're versing Spurs, and then we're going to verse Man City, and then we're going to have Villarreal, and then we're going to have Atalanta, and then we're going to have Arsenal, and then we're going to have Young Boys. So it's a packed schedule where, you, hey, we're going to sack we're gonna sack our coach for all these big, during this time for all these big games. It's Can't not going to It's not going to happen. And going to Ole's post-match press conference, he talks about the uh, interview. Asks him, you know, you think it's you know time for you to go? Essentially, is what he's asking. He's like, no, I still have, you know, we're we're too close to give up. You know, this is this is not over. And it's and when I heard that, I was like, I was just picturing a guy who just got broken up with with his girlfriend, and he's like, I still want to be with you. You know what I mean? It just it sounded depressing it didn't make any sense too close to what too close to what we just lost 5-0 to liverpool we hadn't lost 5-0 to liverpool last year the year before that the year before that you know it never looked that bad the real answer is everything's underway we have to continue but realizing you're not close to anything yeah maybe you have a big plan but there's no way you're this close it doesn't feel like you're what are you close to you said you want to be you know Second place this year, you know, for, you want to challenge for the title this year. You want to win the Champions League this year. Yeah, look, look we'll, we'll talk about big losses that United have had. You know, I, I tried to look up the some of the biggest losses you guys have had in your recent history, right? 2011, you lose 6-1 to City, okay? 04, mm-hmm. you lose 4-1 to City. In 1999, 5-0 to Chelsea. 1996, 5-0 to Newcastle, right? Okay, great. Those are great stats. You know, I looked up, you know, some big deficits, whatever. At the end of the day, though, the big, big, big glaring fact is it's not just that it's 5-0. It's 5-0 in the Liverpool Derby. At home. That is huge. Yeah, at home. That is huge. That is the biggest derby in the entire world. There is so much hanging on that. And we always say it doesn't matter where your teams are standing in that time, what your lineups look like. I mean, Liverpool have had some really ugly lineups in the 2000s, right? right? But they still show up and play. Even if they lose, you're not looking at 5 nothing. No. And that's significant. And then that makes you start saying, obviously looking at the players, we talked about that. We talked about how the players aren't showing enough heart. They're not showing enough determination to get exactly what they need. There's a big separation between the offense and the defense. You're looking at our midfield with Milner, Keita, and Henderson. They're a unit. You look at your midfield, it's just Fred. You have McTominay trying to, always out of position, and Bruno is not able to give you enough defensive help and also give you those huge counterattacks that you're trying to create. So there's a separation between that. You have Greenwood doing the same thing over again. You know, young kid always on the right side. All he's doing is waiting to shoot that ball. He gets the ball on the right side, the first thing he's doing is shooting. The only guy that was doing anything different, I mean, Ronaldo was trying to come back and try and help out with the play. The only guy having a real threat was Rashford in that game. And when Rashford got the ball, it got me nervous. He he definitely was able to make a lot more than he should have. You know, that all being said, that's the player portion. Move on to the coaching. You know, you look at Ole. Unfortunately for him, you're going to be questioned all day long, every single week, as long as this goes until he becomes, if he becomes successful. At the same time, not trying to cut him slack, but we also have to think about 
He was supposed to be an interim manager. What does that mean? Hey, can you just like plug up this position real quick till I find somebody? That's what that is. He was supposed to be an interim manager. Now he becomes the real manager. But think about it. You know, that's on the Man United organization for making that call. It it sucks that Ole has to be the figurehead and get shot down for it. Think about experiences. You know, you, you bring in Van Gaal, right? So this is after this is post Sir Alex Ferguson era. You bring in Val, Van Gaal. Look at the teams that he's been under. You know, look at the teams that he's managed. The Dutch national team, Ajax, you know, really, really big, big, big teams. Moving on, you get Jose Mourinho. Forgot about David Moyes too. Yeah, David, but you know he didn't have a significant stint, so I didn't yeah, want to talk about true. him much. You know, you have Mourinho. He's been for Chelsea, Real Madrid. He's had that Inter team for the Champions League. He's accomplished a ton before he even steps foot into Man United. Going back to Van Gaal, he mesmerizes everybody with the four-three-three system. You know, he's like so integrated with this new form of playing. And then he steps into United. Then you got Ole's resume. He manages at Mold, which is a team in Norway. Then goes to Cardiff for 30 games. So not even a full season. Goes back to Mold. Then gets a cold up to Man United first team. I mean, you know, just looking at that, it's just showing unprepared. Well, we all, like, as Man United fans, we all know our owners and our now new system of management after David Gill and Sir Alex left has been horrible. And, yeah, he gets the interim position job because, obviously, Pochettino was still with Spurs, and then we're seeing how well Ole's going to do, and he winds up doing well. And the whole point was because Mourinho just left the dark cloud over the team that Ole was, I believe, the right choice to take at the time to finish the season because he would bring back spirit to the club and bring back good energy and bring back the mythology with which is, you know, the Man United way. And he did a good job. And they decided to give him the, the, the job, the contract, and he did pretty good. You know, you saw this at least good play for a little bit, and he gets on these wild runs and the team just falls apart. And they get on a good wild run and the team falls apart. It's kind of the same thing. They're like, they choke at, at when they're in the, where they choke when they're ahead. When they're in the real good position and they're in the hot seat, they choke. And Ole's always going to be on the hot seat because he's Man United manager. You know, no one's talking about Spirito Santos, the way he's doing with Spurs. It's still all about Ole and Man United. And that's how it's always going to be in the news. They always get the front page. So, yeah, he's going to have the pressure on him and he knows that. He'll say it all the time. And, uh,. It's just not an. It's just he's just not enough, right? You know, I, I get the vibes. You see the inconsistency in performances. You see the interviews. The vibes that I get, honestly, and again, it's no offense to Ole because he's just put into the position. You know, if someone calls me up and asks me to be a United manager. I'm gonna be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, he wants go. to be there, right? Why not? There. What do you got to lose? But you know, an organiza- organizational standpoint. You're you're promoting somebody that's not fit for the job, doesn't have the resume. He thinks he's fit, and it even shows just even with Alcalade, right? And that's that's another pressure that's going to be on him. You know, say what you want about Van Gaal, but he comes in and he still gives you a trophy. 
You know, yeah, Mourinho gave us a trophy too, but Van Gaal Mourinho played some of the gives boring. You a trophy too. Mourinho Van Gaal, gives you Europa League. Van Gaal played some of the boring, most boring football I've ever watched in my life. And I wouldn't and want that at the club. Give me, give me Van Gaal's, Mourinho's, and Ole's Man U's. I take Ole's every single time. Yeah, same. I would take his every single time, but now it's to the point where you can't even, you don't even know what they're doing, and they need to figure it out. And he's gonna have to pick it up, and that's why it's like you kind of don't want him to leave because he has this plan ahead of him you kind of want to see what he's going to do but inside we all know like he's just not going to get us the trophy now let's steer more towards the players again but let's focus more towards the top Ronaldo what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on him in the game what are your thoughts on how he's panning out well the game ended so soon the game ended you know all I said the game ended at three goals the game ended at two goals the game ended at the first goal the they, I think it ended when they were walking out. The game ended at the first goal, 100%. Like, maybe they, yeah, they had a chance to score again. They were setting stuff up. They were passing the ball well because you guys had the high press, and we were tightening the midfield, so we were squishing in, and we were going to get the... The whole play was to split you guys with Rashford and Greenwood cutting in, and it was it was working, honestly. Like, it was a good plan. But the pressing of the team was just so awful. It was like watching ping pong... With, like, the Man United players. Like, they were the ball and just running at the closest thing to hit, get hit. You know what I mean? It just created those gaps and you just passed it right through. It was so sad to see. Like, just the, they can't press together as a team. They're not a good unit. If we're going to talk about the front three, yeah, Rashford made good runs. Didn't finish them. Still not in good form. Yeah, he scored two goals in two games, but he's had so many opportunities in the last two games to finish that he just rushed his shot or just shot because he didn't know what to do. He's still not in, like full game mode like he's still his brain's not there they both green him and greenwood both don't run back ronaldo doesn't press he occasionally presses like you need to have a press that works together and with ronaldo at the top it's not gonna happen you know what i mean bruno presses from the cam spot all the way to goalie and still gets back on defense yet mctominay can't run 10 yards to cover a run into the box fred was the only one pressing in the middle felt terrible for him because he was just running around crazy trying to cover anything but if you do that more gaps open because no one else is pressing with you Shaw got caught up top three times three goals happen Maguire slower than a snail Lindelof is nowhere he can't cover that much grass Wambasaka is chewing his gum like the team shambles and then he puts Pogba in why are you gonna put Pogba in it's 4-0 what are you doing I'm happy he got the red card. I would have went in and gave a red card. I would have went in there and gave a red card too. Are you kidding me? He still doesn't even have the decency to put Van de Beek in. Like, what is he there for? It's 4-0. Put in another team. Put in another team. I would have I would have done the same thing Pugba did, dude. I would have been fuming. I wouldn't want to get my jersey dirty for that. They were walking the last 25 minutes. I would have hated to be on the field. Be miserable. Ronaldo kicked out. Right? Ronaldo kicked out. He kicked out uh, Harvey Elliott, right? Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones. Uh, two English names. It doesn't make a difference. Like, I would have done the same thing, probably. I would have done the same thing. They gave him benefit of doubt. They gave him a yellow. Thank goodness he didn't get actually kicked, like, in his private area. The ball was there. He was a nice guy about it. You know what I mean? I'm sure he gave him his jersey at the end of the game, you know? Here, kid. Here's your jersey. You know, 
Van Dyke steps up. Why are you doing kicking my friend like That's that? Funny. Just, just move away. Just move away. So would you uh, try and take an unbiased uh, approach? Do you, do you think that's an issue? You gotta get looking at just Ronaldo. Yeah, you know, like, if that was Rain Rooney, it'd been a red card because Rain Rooney's done that and it's been red. You think I've that should have been a red card? One hundred percent. Wayne Rooney's done it in the past and he got red. Yeah, it's just because it was Ronaldo. I, I, I thought it was, it was just ugly, man. It I was mean, ugly. You know, you could tell the frustration, and that, yeah, of that's course. that's no one wants. To, he's lost five zero before to Barcelona. That's bad if you if you're coming to this new team, you know the, you know the project. You know, he's yeah. acting like he doesn't know what Man United looks like, right? Doesn't look like this. He, he literally said he it. knows what he's jumping in into. his last interview. He said players born after 1995 are different to the ones that he grew up playing with. Exactly, they're not the same. They don't care the same. They don't think the same. They don't work the same. They're different. They don't make players like they did until after 1995. But you don't sign up for a team. You don't go transfer to a team. Oh, you look at look at who's signing. And you don't get surprised by week nine of the team that's doing exactly what they did last Listen, year. They were they were, you know, they started that strong that first week. He comes. They 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 were starting strong regardless without him. They were playing better without him than they were with him. Hundred percent. I'm yeah. gonna say that right now. Pugba on that Pugba on that left hand side was incredible. I can't believe you know he comes and he changes his spot. Yeah, now we have Sancho. Now we have Rashford back. You know, Greenwood started on fire. You just paid eighty million for somebody. Greenwood sit the bench, learn something. Sancho's one of the best givers of the ball, one of the best dribblers in the game, and he's st- he's on the bench for Greenwood. Yeah, on the bench for Greenwood. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, like I said. It, it was honestly sad watching, and it's like, you know, obviously we all know Ronaldo, right? He is he scored be a one goal. of the greatest. He scored a goal that game. One of the greatest of all time. Oh, we all get it. It doesn't matter what you support. You have to just understand brilliance when you see it. We all know all his accolades, but you know, I look at scenarios sometimes, and I'm like, let's flip that real quick. Could you imagine, young kid Curtis Jones? Kicking the ball right in Ronaldo's gut while he's on the floor. No one would have lost their mind. Yeah, no one would have done it. It would have been a full-blown brawl game done. Game done. And it was the other way, and he was just able to walk off. Not a big deal. Same thing was locked on. That's crazy. It's the respect of the player, essentially. Crazy. And then, you know, like you said with the Pogba challenge, I mean, you can't sit here and tell me that. You know, he didn't think that's what was going to come out of that tackle. No, nah, he knew. You go into that's that tackle now. Both feet up? Come on, dude. I mean, again, like I, we, we talked on the phone about it. I was like, the ball, his leg got landed on top of the ball. But, you know, Kata needs to get new shin guards as well. <laughs> I don't know how the FA lets him play with that shin guard, first of all. He's got UPS stamps as dude, shin guards. I don't even, those <laughs> things were tiny. They were literally like the size of AirPods. They were super tiny. But, yeah, it's a disgusting tackle. I, he usually gets at least a red card a couple of times per year, sometimes for a tackle. But, like, come on. Like, yeah, I mean, was... you, you go into that knowing it's red. Yeah, he, he knew. He knew. The he way was, you like, position your legs, you know, if I do this right now, it's red. That's why they call him to look it over because they're like, come on, you, you got to give this a red. You can't just give it a yellow. So go to the monitor, look at it, and just give him the red. That's I definitely mean, what I happened. I mean, injury update. Keita is doing well. You know, he got stretched off during the game. I was like, dude, I, come I, on. I saw I saw the, the tackle. And I knew yeah, yeah, it wasn't fine. Yeah. Look, as far as contact-wise, you know, lucked out. But, yeah, yeah uh, you know, that was rough. I was like, here we go. He's finally heating up. And yeah. it was his third game in a row scoring. So, you know, Keita's doing good, finally. You know, he's 
this is his year right now. So if he keeps this up, he could be, you know, the replacement of Wijnaldum. Right. We don't really have to go looking. Right. And now we don't know what's going to happen with Pugba because of these results. So you don't know whether he's going to sign a new contract. It's a story I don't want to get into now. But Sir Alex Ferguson came to the trading gown the day after the game. Apparently he said, said something, but it's like, like, you, you watch that. Like, you, they got a glimpse of him in the stands, and he just looked miserable. Like, he just looked so sad, like, what he was watching. He even left early. You know what I mean? Like, that net, that's not supposed to happen. Well, remember, you know, we were watching that at halftime. Did you see how many people left that stadium? Yeah, but there was still a big bunch of actual fans. I that, mean, understood, yeah. but did you see how many people yeah, left that course. stadium? They were they were upset. It's the, crazy. The, the team, was the, the fans were still singing Ole in that back corner. You know, 30 minutes after the game ended. So, he still has support. But, I feel like they should just go and watch clips, man. Like, of the old team. I, like, get off your phones and watch that team play. They all ran for each other. Listen, it, it, it's the it's the, it's the the organization at this it's point. It's definitely the organization. It's not just a coach. It's not just a player. It's not just the players. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, the Glazers were like, hey, we brought Tom Brady for the Buccaneers. He's the best player. Let's buy the best player in soccer and, you know, see what happens, you know. At this point, the the Buccaneers head coach could come in and play better, you know, set up the team better than Ole, honestly, I would yeah. say. Uh, it was just a terrible idea to start something new and fresh against that Liverpool side. And I'm just going to, I'm going to take it as that. Just like Arteta did, a new formation, a new style. He put it out. Again, wrong choices on the team and it paid. You got bit. You know what I mean? Yep. That defense needs to get itself together. These cheap goals can't keep happening. You can't afford to get new players. We don't need new players. We have too many players. No, that's what I'm saying. You know, it right. can't be a matter of that. No. Something's got to give. It's either the players wake up somehow, and, you know, that almost finish actually means something, or eventually it's the new manager coming in. You know, we play Tottenham this upcoming week, and this is like a big thing for top four because this gives... You know, other teams like Arsenal, Spurs, uh, Leicester, the chance to win top four if they don't beat these other, you know, top eight clubs. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're supposed to be in the top four. It's supposed to be, you know, now Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. You know what I mean? Just to give you a compare, like, uh, another thought is, think about the teams you just named as the possibility of getting on top. You have West Ham and Brighton on top already. Oh yeah, of course. If you look at the schedules, even Spurs had a uh, had a better had a tougher schedule than us, and they're still higher than us. Mm-hmm. You know, and West Ham has had a pretty tough schedule too, and they're just pulling out the results. And United need to do that because they can't afford to drop any more points. They've these last nine games have been horrendous, and again, you're gonna hear the Instagram posts and all that humble bumble. And again, they're going to go out and do it again one more time. You know what I mean? Now, with the 5-0, let's go to the other side of the t- the pitch. And Liverpool with some accolades on their side after this mm-hmm. win. Jurgen Klopp becomes the fastest Liverpool manager to 200 wins. I think that's incredible. That's, that's a great feat. And Salah now has 20 goal contributions in 12 games. He has 15 goals and 5 assists in 12 games. In all competition. It's been been insane. Uh, He might be able to break, you know, the Golden Boot record, which would be crazy. 
He he at this moment has ten goals in the prem, right? This is week nine. Yeah. And there are eight Premier League teams with less goals. I is think Man that's United crazy. one of them? Man United they're is not, not one of them. Because they scored four goals in one game, yeah. Yeah. I was just shitting on them. <laughs> well, you know, if you if you want to keep shitting on them, they have like the fifth most conceded goals. Yeah, they get scored on more than one time a game. Yeah. Yeah. New, same new, stat. Same stat as last year. Newcastle, Norwich, and Watford are under you guys. Yeah. Oh, I know. They have terrible defense. Like, uh, we're looking good. Oh, Veron's here. And then, oh, he's injured. Yep. Back to the, what we had last year. Let's in a goal every time. Yeah, so what happens. You have the three Stooges playing in the back. They're something special this year. So, yeah. I mean... You know, glory day for Liverpool fans and uh, one one for the history books. A lot, a lot to take away for United fans. A lot of misery and aggression. Yeah, I learned a lot of new knots this week. Strong knots. With the tourniquet. Without the tourniquet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, now it's appropriate to move on and talk about teams that can defend. How about Chelsea. I mean, everybody can defend against Norwich until Norwich plays Man United and then we lose because it's always happened where uh, Sheffield United didn't win a game last year and they're like, oh, hey, Man United, and they beat us. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about Norwich who just look more deflated than Man United. <laughs> they're trying. <laughs> they're look, trying. They look more deflated than Man United. It is It is honestly sad. They get scored on twice in the first 16 minutes and I think they just gave up. Yeah, listen. It's, it's not looking good at all, you know. Mason Mount, first game back, he does a hat-trick. I think it's his first ever hat-trick. I, I don't know if it's first ever. I, I think so, actually. I think it's his first ever hat-trick. And obviously huge for him. But Chelsea just kind of tore him apart. They're just dominating, man. Norwich are probably going to be the worst team in the Premier League. 100%. There's no coming back. But it's going to be big for their goal differential, and that's something that Chelsea has been really stacking up. They've been scoring a lot of goals this year, taking advantage of games where they need to, and they've been winning games where they might not need to. So they're going to be good good title run contenders. Yeah, listen, I mean, Mason Mount back with injury, and you know, like you called it, I mean, he came in super strong. You know, he was extremely pivotal to the attack. You have Werner and Lukaku out. You don't have a main striker. You're playing Havertz, right? And Mason Mount just made that game his. I'll tell you right now, I'll take Mason Mount and Havertz over Lukaku and uh, Werner any day. I mean, at this at, at this very moment, possible. Mason Mount is still the best Chelsea player they have. 100%. Hands down. Edward Mendy, don't forget him. I mean, yeah. But yeah, best I agree. Best goalkeeper in the league right now. Yeah, he's, I mean, phenomenal. You know, Reese James, Ben Chilwell did amazing on the outside back positions. They both gave themselves a goal each. Ben Chilwell, I think three goals in three games. <sighs> Crazy man. Yeah. I feel Kovacic needs a shout out. He is just really underappreciated this year. I think you look at this Chelsea team and you're like, this is a Chelsea team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you look back, the strong defense. The stable midfield, obviously, with the now Conte, which is just phenomenal, leading up with Kovacic and Jorginho, who are both having amazing years again. Mm -hmm. Kovacic now just also scoring goals instead of just assisting or giving the pass before the the assist. Um, You know, even so, you know, 
youngster Hudson Odoi. He's actually he he came out and he really showed that maybe he should get more minutes. Right. Uh, when they whenever they have, it's crazy because they they shuffle through the managers, right? And each manager plays something different. Like they had um, Conte, who actually played like a three five two and used wing backs, where he used Alonso and he used Hudson Odoi, and they wound up winning the league. And then they had then they had Frank Lampard. And he played a different style of a more attacking approach, um, more wide but less less wing backs. And he had like the standard traditional lineup. And then you saw Hudson Odoi. He got some playing time, but not that much. Alonzo was on the bench because he wasn't using a wing back. You had Chilwell come in, and then you have Tuchel come in again and hear the wing backs and hey, we get to play again. You know, so they, it's kind of weird to be a player where you go from starting a lot to not starting at all to starting a lot. It works out for them because they have such a big roster, and I guess they enjoy playing for the club. They enjoy Roman Abramovich, and they enjoy that whole aspect. Yeah, even Barkley getting in minutes. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty crazy, and they're just such a solid team throughout. They can play whatever they want, and Tuchel has been just changing it up and filling it in, and everybody's getting their minutes, and they're looking really, really good. Yeah, I mean honestly, it, you know, like you said, it is against Norwich, but. Uh, stellar performance i mean you know they did what they had to do a red card after 5-0 you know honestly tim cruel needs to get an applause he really tried man he always puts up a good performance for norwich every time i think he just i think he stays on norwich because he loves trying to save pks and i know he knows the defenders are going to foul him in the box so he'll always get a chance at saving a pk what a good man that's that's playing for the game right hey, listen there. He, he saves mason mount's pk and then they're like oh wait no you stepped in front of the line makes them retake it then he gets scored on poor guy but i mean yeah he, i think he did great he's probably the only person to talk about on norwich right now yeah there's not much to talk about <laughs> so great championship team great championship team no pookie, no problem. <laughs> no pookie, no problem. <laughs> so, yeah, and then since we're on discussion of Chelsea, let's talk about some more Chelsea scoring. Chelsea Academy team, also known as Southampton. Southampton 2-2 with Burnley. Both Chelsea Academy kids score that are on loan. So that's Levermento, 18-year-old right back, with a great goal after he hit the post. He hit the post in the first one. I was like, oh, that would have been perfect. Then he comes back and he has a header on a corner kick and then puts it away. He was like ecstatic. He's started every game this Premier League season, just coming out of nowhere. No one knew him previously. And then their their striker for the last two weeks, uh, Armando Broja, you know, 20-year-old, also from Chelsea Academy. Both got loaned out this year to Southampton. Both give them their two goals. And this is new for Chelsea because usually their, their academy products – don't really make it into the Premier League. They usually go to the Championship. They go lower. Sometimes they go abroad, or sometimes they're just loaned out and they disappear. So this is actually really good that these players, these young kids, are actually getting the time of day to play in the Premiership and learn and get better and then possibly come back. So this is really good for the Chelsea to see because they used to never use their academy products. Mm -hmm. So this is a big step for the Chelsea organization that they're now implementing something that United used to do. Obviously, most of their academy prospects used to be all around the Premiership. Whenever you watch the United game, they'd be like, oh, look at this academy product that's now going against me. Like, all the time. Like, every game you would play, there'd always be a United academy product. And now you have, like, five Chelsea products spread out in the league, and that's really good to see. Yeah, Billy Gilmore out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, there are. And, you know, on the flip side of the coin, I told you, man, 
Maxwell Cornier. He did tell me. Oof. It's the league on, guys. It's the league on effect. I mean, he's incredible. You know, like we said, you know, uh, in our first podcast of this season, we were saying about transfers and how Burnley just made a very, you know, different type of transfer. Still think they're going to get relegated. I mean, totally possible. But Dwight McNeil is looking wonderful for them. Very good. Wonderful. And then now having Maxwell Cornet, I wouldn't put it past them if they're able to figure out if uh, Sean Dyche is able to figure out how to really use this team and get different results. Because Maxwell Cornet had his first goal was the second open play goal for Burnley this season. Which is crazy to think that they don't have a lot of open play goals. So yeah, that's scary. Maybe he opens that up for them. And then his second goal is amazing. You know, just a nice shot off the bounce from outside the box. I mean... That's different. You know, it's not always what you see with Burnley. Burnley's very, very just systematic. Right. Usually when you see Burnley, they try to get a free kick or a corner kick. And then you see a bunch of trees going to the box. Like Chris Wood? Like Chris Wood. And they just, they're so <laughs> tall, they branch out and everything. And somehow Ashley Westwood. <laughs> so, somehow the ball ends up in the back of the net. And that's usually what they do. You know, they're just so big and brolicky. And uh, it's good to see them score from open play. There's no take backs. He's on our ranking, so you know you can't change it. I won't. I can't won't. Can't change it. Yeah. So, and uh, we we want to move on to Everton. We'll, we'll talk about Everton here, the defensive side, a, a side that you know didn't still doesn't have their uh, line full lineup. A side that United struggled to score against because they're garbage. Finally gets Richarlison back. They finally got Richarlison. He got subbed in, I believe, during yeah, the game. Yeah, he did. And uh, the game was you know in in Everton's hand for a little bit, and then it tied up. Mm-hmm. And then you close your eyes, and you wake up. <laughs> and then Kuka comes. <laughs> and it's 5-2. <laughs> so something happened here. I think what it probably was is Kuka heard us talking about him last time. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> you want to see something? I'll show you something. <laughs> and Josh King with the hat trick. Yes. Josh King comes back at this redemption day. That's and right. And he scores a hat trick. And he's like, you know what? I feel like people stopped talking about me after I left the cherries. So I need to, I need, you know, I need to prove myself again because clearly, you know, I need to be a starting striker. I want to do more. I want to be more. And he scores a hat trick. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Josh King is making a big change to this team right now. Speaking of Academy products, Josh King, buddy. Josh United. King, <laughs> the man, the myth, legend. <laughs> Only took him till twenty nine years old from that academy. He's in his prime. Twenty nine is when you're in your prime, and he's showing it. That's it. <laughs> I was always a Josh King fan. So yeah, I mean, you know, those were uh, pretty big results for uh, Watford. They need as many points as they can get, and then you know, actually, a really good shootout was Lester Brentford. You Tielemans, know, man. He's on fire. I hope he signs for Liverpool, but I don't hope he signs for Liverpool. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. <laughs> I think the five O is getting to your head, <laughs> dude. Honestly, awesome. if he signs for Liverpool, that'd be he's crazy. a perfect fit. Crazy. He's a perfect fit. He's so good. I know. People are saying maybe Pugbo will go to Liverpool on his free. That's obviously never going to happen. Gonna happen. Yeah, but I would love to see Tielemans go. I mean, you know, you could say Tielemans for Wijnaldum, but at this point I say Keita for Wijnaldum, and you know what? We have to prepare for Henderson to go. Uh, Tielemans does play on the right-hand side, so, so it fits. Uh, you know, Tielemans is really important. So, But anyways, you know, enough 
you know, not about Liverpool for this game, but Madison finally gets on his score sheet. Second, second good game, second good game he's had. He actually looked pretty good against Arsenal, uh, the week prior, and he was. I think he kind of woke up, like he was just being more open with his play. He was looking for things. He was quicker. He was thinking less. He was just being himself. And in this game, he did pretty well. Obviously, he scored, and it's good to see him on the score sheet and being more productive for his team because with him in the team, there's a better lesser than with him out of the team. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, what a crazy conclusion to the game week nine. You think we're just not going to talk about West Ham Spurs again, are we? You know, we were talking about this before we set up the podcast. And I told you we it's needed not to talk that about important. this game. They're not it's that a, important. It's a West London Derby. Harry Kane didn't score again. All right, great. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you now this, okay? Because West Ham supporters would be upset at you. This is a big derby game for them. And Tottenham fans, I mean Tottenham players didn't find this out until Eric Dyer told them this this afternoon, like the afternoon of the game. Because Eric Dyer didn't even know the first time he was on Spurs that West Ham Spurs was a derby game. Not even the players knew. These are all in you kid. They West Ham hate Spurs. Put some respect on Mark Noble. They hate Spurs. So you got to talk about the game. This is a West London derby, and guess what? Spurs lost another London derby. Beautiful. They haven't won one this year. They haven't. I don't feel like they've scored one in, in one this year. And again, like I was telling you, just like you, you don't want to talk about. Espirito Santos. I don't know why, because his name's hard to pronounce. I don't know why. But listen here. It's because we all love him from Wolves. He's not doing a good job. Not even the Wolves fan really love him from Wolves. They said he was boring, okay? He's got to do a better job. Where's Harry Kane? He. They even played in the... the what's it called? The... I think Harry Kane's looking for Keita's shin guards. That's probably what's going on. <laughs> I was going to say something mean. I can't say it. So... He's still looking for his shin guards. <laughs> you know, this this team just looks lifeless. Like, you want to talk about lifeless like me after watching United play, but this team also looks lifeless. Like, they need to, they need to fire him before we fire Ole. You guys want to just switch? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you can take Nuno for a I little bit. I couldn't look at him wearing a suit with the Man United emblem on him, I, I couldn't. What's the but worst that's going to happen? Lose 5 nothing. He'll be I mean, there. That already happened. No, it'll be way worse. <laughs> but anyway, Harry Kane didn't score, and we're going to end this podcast now. <laughs> I think that's perfect. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening to Above the Pitch, and we'll come out with another episode after the next game week. Thank you. What's the difference between Norwich and United? Nothing.